You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose Sermon Podcast. To get connected at Sojourn Montrose, visit our website, sojournmontrose.org. Cole shared about the historical background of the Nicene Creed, why it was created, why it was important, and why it's still affirmed today. He went into detail regarding the Trinity, how God is uh, one God in three persons, and how this Trinitarian theology that we have, that we believe as Christians, it wasn't created through the Nicene Creed. Actually, what the Nicene Creed does for us is it helps us to better clarify who God is in the Trinity. We believe that God is one. And the Nicene Creed was created to, to clarify that in detail. So my encouragement to you today as we go through this first paragraph, we'll start off with, I believe that God is one. To talk more, to hear more about this idea of the Trinity, I want to encourage you to listen to last week's sermon that Cole preached. If you haven't, and if you have, to listen because it's good. This week, we're going to focus all of our time and energy on this aspect of God being Father, God the Father today. We'll sit and unpack this first section of the Nicene Creed. It says, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. In this first section, we see four important aspects a part of who we believe God to be as Christians. Now hear this, this is only the first section, so hey, don't get on to me because we don't go into all the details of the Trinity. We just focused on the Father today. Today, in the Father, we see that he is one. We see that God is Father, God is Almighty, and God is Maker. If we were to take a survey, and in this survey we were to take, I was to ask How do you express God, or how do you define God, or what are the first thoughts that come to your mind when you think of God? I think that some people would talk about his creative force or the creative power of God. They probably sing or or be reminded of that, uh, that old song, he's got the whole world in his hands. I think we could all sing it, he's got the whole wide world. I love singing that song to my kids. He's got mama and daddy in his hands. He's got Khalil and Zoe in his hands. Others may talk about his ability to to form the universe. They'd have images of this great being moving with force and lightning and thunder and shaking creation into existence. And others would also think that God is this lofty supreme being who stands uh, above the universe waiting to strike it down with his power and judgment. And while some of these definitions, examples, thoughts of God are true, to start with God's creative force and power or to think of God as unlike man, eternal and powerful, today I would want to let you know that it may actually be a misstep and unhealthy for us to first view God as that. Right? The Nicene Creed is clear. God is almighty. God is the maker and creator of all things, but the most foundational thing of God or in God is not some abstract quality, but the fact that he is father. 
God is first and foremost a father. Michael Reeves in his book, Delighting in the Trinity, says that in order for us to get to this idea of God being first and foremost a father, we we must ask the question, what was God doing before creation? And if we were to look to Scripture, better yet, if we were to look to Jesus for an answer, we'd see in John 17, verse 24, as he's praying, he says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundations of the world. Jesus revealed that God is Father in some unheard of sense and that he's not only Father in being creator, he is eternally Father in relation to his only Son, who is eternally a Son only in relation to the Father. Matthew 11, verse 25 through 27, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This describes a profoundly interconnected relationship between Jesus Christ and God the Father. They know each other completely. The Father has revealed all truth, all things to Jesus, the Son. They are both united as God together in the Trinity along with the Holy Spirit. Yet, they are somehow distinct from each other. This is a great mystery for us today, but it's also a great declaration. Father is the name that Jesus himself used and gave to us for God. But not only does Jesus express God as Father, but if we look all throughout Scripture, we see this God that some may feel is lofty and supreme, expressed as a father, communicated as a father. So if we understand God rightly, we know that God is first the origin of everything and transcendent authority, and he is at the same time goodness and loving care because of his fatherhood. Exodus 4, verse 22, the Lord speaking to Moses, telling him to go back to Egypt after fleeing, he tells Moses what to say to Pharaoh. He says in verse 22, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. Hosea 11.1, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. When Isaiah prays, he he refers to God as father. In in Isaiah 63.16, You are our father. Though Abraham does not know us, And Israel does not acknowledge us, O Lord, our Father, our Redeemer, from old is your name. Paul and Peter also refer to God as Father. In Romans 15, 6, we see that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter in 1 Peter 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, 
He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's obvious. There is this consistent language throughout Scripture that expresses God as being a father. Today, as we talk about fatherhood, I know that for some of you, this might actually evoke something not good, but bad. As you think about some of your horrible examples of fathers, abusive fathers, absent fathers, fathers who lack the example and, and mirror of God. So I want to say today for clarity to help you and maybe to reorient your thoughts of God is, is to know that, that God is perfect in his ways and different. And God is so perfect that he's better than the best examples of best dads or good dads. I may also say how broken I am over the terrible example or lack thereof of the human fathers that were meant to reflect the good father, God. Some, instead of looking like God the father, actually look like their father, Satan must address this, but we also must communicate that God is the one who is loving. God is the one who is life-giving. God, in all he does, reveals his Father's care and concern for us. It actually impacts and is the result of everything that he does as God. He creates as a Father. He rules as a Father. And actually, for us, in this room, who are Christians, is what makes the Christian faith so distinct from any other religion. No other religion dares to bring God to such an intimate relationship to man that we may consider ourselves as his children. We should not fail to grasp this significance and the uniqueness of this relationship that as Christians we profess to have with God. We call God our Father not only because Jesus spoke of him, as father, but because he is like one. Not only does he give us life, like I shared, he cares. He provides what we need spiritually and materially to grow. So by calling God our father, we show that our God is not an impersonal one. God the father, maker of the universe, supreme almighty, is a personal God. I realize that there may be three people in this room today, the legalist, the rebel, and the dependent. For the legalist, you, you need to be reminded that, that God is not some impersonal God. He's not some judge waiting on you to do wrong and mark you a sinner for your transgressions against the law. He's a personal God, a father desiring to love you as his child. No matter your infraction, your sin, your brokenness, he desires to embrace you in his loving care. For the rebel, God is not a killjoy. <laughs> Trying to steal away joy for you to have in this life, he's actually desiring that you experience or lead you to more of it to more joy. 
And you miss out today, rebel, on the goodness of God when you choose to rebel from his good ways and choose your own. And then today, there's the dependent. They're dependent. Will you continue to simply see your need of Jesus, your need of God, and run to him for hope, comfort, peace, and salvation? The Father is always opening his arms, waiting to receive his children. God is first and foremost the Father. And God the Father is is not only seen as Father, but what the Nicene Creed says, the Father Almighty. Genesis 35, 11, and God said to him, let this sit, I am God Almighty. Pause. No other statement needed. Genesis 17, 1, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me blameless. Be blameless. In Hebrew, the title God Almighty, you may have heard it, is El Shaddai. It means God, the all-powerful one or the mighty one of Jacob. The title speaks to God's unlimited power overall. He has might and power. For God to be almighty, what this means for us today is that he's not confined to any, any place. He is in and around all things. He foresees the future. He is mightier than all things. He is all-powerful. He knows all things, does what he wills. He's not subjected to antecedents or consequence or to birth or to chance or to fate. In all things, he is perfect, possessing himself as the absolute form of every excellence, neither waning nor increasing, but in mode and circumstance ever the same. God the Almighty has also prepared chastisement for sinners and a crown of righteousness for his children. In the ancient world, there was this understanding of the divine, a God who was never almighty, but was always battling for superior status with other gods. Our God really does have all the power and is focused on his creation rather than on fighting with other gods. Our God has no successor. He's not competing for the top spot. He alone is at the top head of all things, Lord of all things. And when we see God as almighty, we are struck. Well, the hope is is that you're struck. I am God almighty by his power, by his presence, in awe in the fact that he is an awesome God. The identity of God as almighty establishes a sense of awe and wonder towards those that believe. Nothing stands in the way of God. Not creation, not evil, no other gods. God stands in a league of his own. The original Greek for almighty is actually pantocrator, meaning all ruling, but it also means all embracing. God is called pantocrator because he himself holds and embraces all things. 
Montrose, we have an almighty God who desires to embrace us as his children, and he holds all things together. What a humbling truth that is today. Nothing can get in the way of our Father God. He does what he wills. He is good in all, he, in all his ways, and we have a God who is beyond glorious. And one day, everyone will realize that. I remember being a child and, and, and boasting about many things, just like childlike fashion, and we were going around talking about how strong our dads were. And I'm telling other kids how my dad could beat up their dad. I would talk about how my dad was stronger and better, and you didn't want to mess with him. And you also didn't want to mess with his children. Whether it was true or not, there was a sense of security and protection that I had in my dad that in, in, in response gave me peace in his presence. It made me confident when things seemed to threaten my safety, threaten my peace, or when it seemed as if opposition was around me, I knew who I could call for for help. Believer today, don't be dismayed. Our God beats other gods. He is bigger and better. And we as Christians believe in a God who is almighty. So when Christians or when the world feels as if it's wasting away, when it feels as if Sin is running rampant. Our God is fully capable and in control. Sin will not have the final say. Death will not have the final say. Depression will not have the final say. Miscarriage will not have the final say. Injustice will not have the final say. Our God will. He is supreme. He is eternal. He holds all things together. Depression when I have his way. Leads us to the last part of the section. Man, God is almighty. Uh, God the Father is almighty. Y'all gotta excuse me. Uh, miscarriage won't have the final say. If you didn't know, I need this truth today myself. God the Father Almighty is maker of heaven and earth, of things visible and invisible. Genesis 1-1. I'm going to get it together, I promise. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wow. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. Colossians 1.16, speaking of Christ, but also of God. Uh, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. When we say that God is creator, we mean that no one created him and that God alone is the creator. Satan cannot create. He can only pervert what God creates. People cannot truly create because we must start with something that has already been created. Everything originated from God. There is then only one God, maker of both both souls and bodies. There is one creator of heaven and earth, maker of angels and archangels, the creator of many things. 
There were heretics that used to dare to say that there were two gods, a source of good and a source of evil, and that both of these were unoriginate. They believed that there were divisions that existed between the spirit and the flesh, the soul and the body, the father and the creator. But there is no division. And we clearly proclaim that as Christians is that God is the maker and creator of all things. We say we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, that we may remember as the people of God that the same is both for the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the maker of heaven and earth. The central question for the Council of Nicaea, the council in which this creed came from, was who is God and what is the gospel? We find our answer starting with the Father's concern and love, putting things into motion, namely salvation itself. John 3, uh, verse 16, we know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. What love the Father has. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe today in this room is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Without the Father's love, without his glorious intention, without his concern for broken creation, we would all be lost. We wouldn't have salvation. We wouldn't be able to find ourselves with enough to climb up to God. So God the Father in his goodness decides to come down through the Son. Our compassionate, loving, caring, life-giving Father saw to it that we receive the help we need to be saved. He provided this help. He provided this salvation through faith. I believe. He's made what's impossible possible. He's helped us to be able to live righteously through God the Spirit. He is a good Father. He's an almighty creator of heaven and earth, and may we receive this truth today, and as we receive this truth, may it draw us closer to him. As we clarify what we mean by God the Father, may it help us dive into deeper relationship with God. And may we love the Lord our God with all our hearts, soul, strength, with everything that's in us, because we know who our God is. Let's pray. God, you are good. 
you are good. What an amazing truth that is, that you are a good father who lavishes his love on his children. That we weren't left in the dark, in the darkness of our sin, but you provided hope. And only the way that hope could be presented, God, may we not forget that, that you're not some impersonal God, but you are a personal God who has made himself known to his creation. And you're an almighty God. So the sins of this life have no power if you are in control, if you are all-powerful. So may we receive the help, God, that you have given us over sin. May we receive your grace, your goodness. As the Father, may we receive that through the Son and in the Spirit. Father, as we prepare to to take, may you remind us of this truth. We take in with the bite the forgiveness of sin. May we take in the juice and the wine and be reminded of the blood that was shed on our behalf. And may it bring us back to your fatherly love and care that you you would sacrifice your only son so that we can be called sons and daughters. That's what we need today, to know that we have been received by God because God has given us help. Lord, may this word, may this truth not only go through our ears, but penetrate our hearts and lead us to love you more. God, we thank you for all of this and more. In Jesus' name, amen.